welcome to Work, Rest and Pay, a podcast where we look at the future of work and pay through the lenses of both employers and employees. I'm Laura Whitfler, ADP's External Communications Manager here in the UK. So as many employers are now bringing employees back into the office, or at least thinking about it, they are also laying the foundations for the future of hybrid working. And a myriad of models have now emerged. I've heard of, you know, remote first models, office occasional models, even office first models still exist. But at the heart of each of these hybrid working models, we now have this idea of combining working from home or remotely with the option to work in either the original office space or a bespoke space provided for by an employer. And so it's the design of that second space, which we really wanted to hone in on today. You know, what are the fundamental aspects to consider when you go about designing an office space with hybrid working in mind? Can we go as far as saying that approaches being taken to that design today could make or break the success of implementing that hybrid model? Joining me today to share their insights and views on this topic are designer Matt Blaine, principal at the leading international design practice, Hassel Studio. Matt, you are very welcome to the podcast. We are super excited to have you on. Thank you. And also back to join us this time round is Jeff Phipps, General Manager at EDP UK in Ireland. Hi, Jeff. Good to have Hi. you back on. Hi, Laura. Let's start talking about this concept of hybrid working. There has been so much um, talk around this already, obviously. But Matt, I know that at Hassel, you recently conducted some fresh research from your client base around this topic. So we'd love to hear about some of these findings um, and the ones that you thought were particularly interesting and relevant around this workplace design aspect. We just recently conducted a global 2021 workplace future survey of around 2,300 office workers in Singapore, the UK, USA and Australia. And I guess we're exploring the issue of um, hybrid working and what that means to employers, but also to employees, as well as a range of other topics, what the future of the workplace will look like for some of these people. Um, and I think for us, what drove this was this belief in our organization that the number of days people spend working at home shouldn't be the output of a workplace model, but rather it should be the driver for it. So organizations should be understanding their culture and other elements first to understand how people then would use the workplace as a, as as a place of work and have that choice and flexibility. And I guess when we did the survey, um, there were probably many, you know, many things that confirmed hunches that we all have, um, but there were also some surprising new findings when it came to understanding how the workplace is gonna attract talent in the future. Um, and I think the pandemic has kind of accelerated people's expectations around how workplaces are gonna transform um, and support the way we wanna work and, and our lifestyles within the future. So I guess, you know, um, this survey for us was also different from probably many of the other surveys that have been put out there. I mean, many of your listeners have probably participated in surveys. Um, a lot of them are driven by HR groups um, within organizations to understand how teams are going to work and their performance. And they don't really ask a lot of questions around space. So we're really keen to explore 
how space is going to change and how space is going to support people. Um, and I think the main things we wanted to cover off were how is the recovery going internationally? Like you said in the introduction, we're, we're still in the midst of it. We're sort of coming out of it in some countries and others, we're back in the thick of it. Um, what's changed um, over this last 15 months? Where do people want to work after the pandemic? What's driving that preference? And, um, and how, does it, how do people, what do people want from their office buildings or their workplace? after the pandemic. And I guess um, for us, the consensus that emerges when you read a lot of the press is that people only want to spend two to three days in the office at most and the rest is at home. And I guess we wanted to test that theory in, in more detail to understand how a workplace can actually support that. So we asked two different survey questions. Um, one was how many days per week would you like to work at home? And of course, the answer to that was, you know, pretty pretty typical of what you get in most surveys. Most people were saying, I want to be at home three days a week. Some people five, but the average was three. We twisted that around a bit um, in the next way we asked that question. And we, um, you know, we knew as workplace experts that there was a difference between asking that question um, to people that understood was that an office was a place that people attended to do certain tasks rather than just being there because they had to be there. So we sort of used a sort of a preference test, if you like, and it's kind of a method that consumer companies use to ask questions. So we kind of said to people, if you had two options, please pick your favorite. And the reason we did that was it sort of moves the data in a different direction for us. And I guess um, we asked people to pick between uh, the choice of working in the office where they had an, a choice of an assigned desk or an unassigned desk and the option of working from home and what their preference would be. And we kind of put a bit of um, a, a bit around that that sort of describe what those two, two environments might be like. Um, and it was interesting that you get very different results. You got people that really suddenly went, well, actually, I do want to spend time at home, but I really value what I get out of an office and I want to be back there. And people were more willing to pick a scenario that had more flexibility in the work, gave them flexibility and were able to come into the office five days a week. So it was a bit of a backward way of asking people how much time they want to spend at home, but it also meant that we could understand how that would impact um, the workplace of the the future, if you like. Whilst I think for us, it's important to understand that question and, and for organisations to listen to employees when they say, well, we only want to work two or three days a week in the office. As I said earlier, it's really about a workplace model because that's more more than just the number of days we want to spend in, in one location. It's, it's a workplace model for us and how you design a workplace is driven by a product of a company's mission, their culture, how they want to work, how they organize themselves, how teams interrelate with each other, you know, and and the and just the casual interactions we have with each with each other, both formal and informal. So, I mean, that was just one key insight that we got from the survey. I guess the other key interesting one, which which varied a bit across gender, age, demographic, and country in particular, was the features that now, from a design point of view, that people are now expecting from their their workplace. Um, and what was really interesting for us as designers was that in the past, you know, we keep adding amenities into the office place. People want more, more places to grab coffee, we throw that in. Oh, let's throw in a doggy daycare centre or let's throw in a, you know, what's going to attract people to the workplace to get them to stay in the workplace, you know, and for many employers, that's about making them work harder, longer, you know, et cetera, um, to get more value for their buck and higher performance, I guess. Um, what was interesting from this survey people weren't interested in those amenities anymore. What they were interested in was first and foremost, and surprisingly, this was common across the globe, was free food. Can I get free food within my workplace? And we always knew food wasn't attracted to people in workplaces, hence why we you know, use the analogy of having the kitchen table in the workplace. Um, but the other key really interesting things were more 
just more focused stuff around how we want to work and how we want to engage with the space and the experience of the space. So it was things like having gardens, access to green space were really high on priority list, having a more sustainable, healthier workplace, and I guess more spaces to simply collaborate with people. People were quite happy to do focus work at home, but they wanted to be able to come into the workplace and engage with each other um, and learn from each other still. So that were kind of some of the key findings, I guess, that we got from the global survey. So, so sort of a lot more at stake, really, when it comes to that workplace design. So when you sort of start from, from scratch, um, redesigning sort of an existing workplace, um, what would you sort of say would be sort of some of the key considerations? Because I guess that's where some employers are at now in terms of looking at their existing spaces um, and listening to you, you know, talk about food and garden and collaboration. There's a lot of things in that mix, potentially. I mean, I think I think from a design perspective, we look at it now um, as more than being simply a building and a space that people occupy. It's got to be a space that supports the work, the employee's experience. Um, it's got to be about culture and it's got to be about belonging. I think, you know, we're all working, we've all spent 15 months working in isolation. So the workplace is about bringing people together. And I think there will still be people working, um, you know, in isolation at home at various points. So the workplace has to really support, you know, the mental health of its employees. But primarily it's about connection and engagement. You know, it's about working together versus being together. Um, and I think it's it's also contributing to um, making people feel they're part of a tribe. Um, you know, it contributes to efficiency and effectiveness and all those things that we know from, you know, workplaces need to do. But it really is that important thing of making people feel they're part of a, a bigger cause, a bigger entity, rather than the experience of sitting at home, talking to people through Zoom. And there's that basic need, I think, of just being human. We all need to be engaging with people. We need, you know, in that engagement to grow professionally as well. So and that's important as well. And I think really what underpins that from our point of view from workplace design is making sure that we're looking at workplaces and and looking at sustainability and wellness as in as integral to the the new design of those of those places um that the workplaces have digital elements that enable us to to operate in the way we're going to operate working moving forward you know we're, we're still going to have people working in that hybrid model away from the workplace how do we connect with them how do we make them feel that they're part of that tribe the experience of the workplace you know i, I talked about um i guess it being less about those those you know experiences that were sort of you know almost the google-esque experiences where it's games areas and things like that but more practical experiences um, that bring people together and get them talking to each other and i think we've also just got to have a mindset shift which is about leadership also shifting their way of thinking about how people are going to work and use space and where they're going to work, which was always the challenge that we've had for the last 10 years in getting organisations to, to go through change in the way their workplaces operate. So I think they're probably the key things. And I think in the last sort of 15 months in the UK, we've seen a dramatic shift in the way people start to think about how their, their, their organisations are going to use space, how much space they need and what the value of the workplace is to them as an employer. I think Matt's sort of touched on this and I think we'd all concede that we are we're learning day by day and even some of the you know one of the things that I found interesting is that you can you can run we've run surveys with our employees and you kind of know that the view they may hold today will change in the future yeah. and so you're you're trying to actually second guess what how that's going to unfold I think um there's a couple of observations 
well, an observation and a, and a kind of maybe a hypothesis I have. One observation I have had I have is that where teams have got our, our teams that work together a lot of the time, they've worked really well remotely. You know that as if those linkages between them have been able to stand that um, separation and come through it very very well. What I've seen, and I would say it's gradual and quite slow, and therefore quite dangerous because you can miss it, is an erosion of the relationships between teams that do not work as closely together, or that are separated by le level of interaction, distance, things of that nature. It certainly feels that there's more friction there, and I've seen that sort of like. You know, more of that happening, I would say, in the last six months than I had in the 12 months prior to that. So that's a concern that, that I have. So that's a sort of comment on the, on the teams themselves. As for the workspace, I think there is actually, um, the optimist in me says there's a really good opportunity here to challenge the way that we work. Let's face it, you know, the offices have been around for a long, long time and hadn't really challenged the notion of how offices, I mean, some companies, maybe some more forward-thinking ones have tried to sort of do things differently. But um. I think, uh, you know, for most people, it's still a desk and a pedestal and that was their personal space and, you know, and, you know, okay, there's bits of hot desking and things of that nature. I'm really, really interested in how we, um, and how we create true collaboration space. And what I mean by that is um, a lot of the format of the way that people work is they do some work, uh, they go to a meeting, they agree some other work that they're going to do on their own and they go back and, and they do that. And I, and I think there's a, a middle approach that we don't leverage enough, which is why don't we actually just like, you know, sit around a table and get something done. And I think that could accelerate some of our project work where people go off and then they get distracted. And if you say like, why don't we actually set up a, a kind of uh, collaboration space that we might use for an hour, a day, even, you know, several weeks uh, until we get this, this, this piece of work done. Um, so I think that, I mean, that's one example, but I suspect there are others that, and the way that we use that space and that we design the space is going to facilitate that, um, make that work. Like, I mean, I, I you kind of joke, I've got this, this, I've got fortunate enough to have this beanbag behind me, but I kind of call it like my place I go and just have a think, right? I sit there and, and just mull things over. And um, I don't think that's particularly thunky. I think that there's, if you actually kind of look at the psychology of it, is I'm, I'm deliberately separating myself from a, a keyboard yeah. and a screen to go and, and kind of engage in something more, you know, thoughtful. So, I mean, there are a couple of examples there, but I think there's um, actually a really, really good opportunity here for us to rethink this space that we have that we call offices and say, how do we make that more enjoyable place to spend time, um, more productive space to spend time? And there's been a lot of conversations about collaboration, but I still think we are... Uh, we're nearer the beginning of how we get to become better collaborators than uh, than at the end. I mean, I, I would add to that, just talking about collaboration and how offices haven't changed. I think we, we're, we're noticing something, I guess, we've called it the flip, if you like, um, in, in broad terms. You know, we saw, like, if you go back to where offices were, it's exactly as described, a desk and a pedestal. And the proportion of individual desks was was extremely high and there was less collaboration settings. Nobody get away from your desk. We started to see organisations move to more of a balance between collaboration and individual desks. So it was almost a 50-50. Where we think it's going to flip to um, is now that we've got the home in play and this ability to yeah. be to hybrid work, you're going to see the largest percentage of an office space being collaboration, a small place space being an area to, to work alone, if you like, but very minimal. Um, and the, the home is almost that elastic space where you can go and do those activities that you need to do as an individual. So the office is about that teamwork, which you described. You know, it really is about people coming together and focusing on a problem and solving it together.
the the one we've got to watch on that Matt, though is just that is that fair for all because yeah um you know i was talking to you know one of our employees that came back earlier this week and she was just delighted because she lives in a one-bedroom flat and she was fed up with having to convert her lounge into an office and she said <laughs> i put everything back and i'm coming back five days a week and yeah. i'm glad this whole thing's behind me so i think you know, I've been nervous sometimes when I hear, you know, company CEOs and I'm thinking, well, you know, you've probably got a very, very comfortable home and lots of space um, to to live in and, and work in. Um, but for other people, they maybe haven't got that space or they could have young children, you know, around. Yeah. And so I, I think one of the challenges we're going to have is how do we how do we try to get to some sort of fairness there? So I think I think the way that we can do that is offer both in the sense of, yeah. say, you know, we'll give you that personal workspace in the office if that's your preference but if you want to work home and that's where you blend the space and the the kind of culture and the sort of trust and the policies that you're going to put in place around how that how that works but we do have to sort of navigate our way through that carefully and i be we do you know no. pretending if i say i have all the answers <laughs> to that no and i, I totally agree agree with you and i think it's understanding the individuals in your organization and the team preferences about how they work which, which leads us nicely on to, I suppose, the sort of pitfalls and challenges from your experience, um, Matt. I know we spoke previously about sort of piloting and the essentials of having sort of leadership buy-in into all of this. But when you're sort of converting into that hybrid space, um, you know, what, what advice would you have for, for listeners? I think uh, I think for me it's um, I mean we just sort of touched on it it's it's jumping before you understand the culture and value of your company but also your teams and and the individuals that that make up your 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 um, employee pool if you like um, you know it's and and I think that's critical to any success so it's putting almost a you know a workplace strategy and design strategy in place to understand the right model of working for those people because it could well be that um, you know you you have 70% collaboration space and 30% individual space, if you like, as a mix, or it could be different proportions because the way your people work is, is very different. Um, I think the other challenge or pitfall is um, people, uh, you know, just purely thinking about it as an exercise of reducing the footprint. You know, I think when I talked about the flip earlier, what that actually does is it put, pushes utilization up and capacity up, does give you the ability to, to reduce some space but it's not going to reduce it that dramatically because you know you're bringing people together in in a space um the other pitfall and i think for people is not thinking about you know policies and procedures so you know um and we've worked with organizations going through change before where we've gone well how are we going to use the space differently and that should come from the people using the space rather than hr or a leadership team you know they should they should be coming up with the ideas of how they want to use the space and given that freedom, I guess, um, to do that and and the responsibility that goes with that. Um, I think the other failure that people often do is not understanding the behaviours of their people. You know, I touched on leadership, um, changes in leadership. You know, they need to trust and empower their people um, and you need to increase communication, which we all forget. You know, if you've got people working hybridly, it takes a lot more effort to communicate with people really critically from a design point of view i think it's thinking about adaptive design and by that i think it's investing in more quality of the types of quality and quantitative spaces 
and less fixed environment. So building in a lot of flexibility because this is one great big experiment in a way <laughs> for all of us. You know, yep. we're gonna um, we've looked at it in our own organization where we've said six months down the track, how are we going to use our office space differently? You know, so and we've empowered a team in our office uh, of a cross section of staff to come up with what are the activities we want to do to get people in the office? What are the settings we need in the office to support those activities? And we'll test that for six months and we'll come back and revisit it. And that's kind of an, another version of piloting, if you like. So you've got to empower people to have ownership and have buy-in and, and all those things, I think. And I really think that the last two points I'd make is I think people need to understand that reduction in footprint may lead to some cost savings, but if we're using space differently, the operational costs may go up so you know it's you save money one in one on one hand and you might increase it on the other um, because you're building in into the design flexibility and things that, that change operational costs i'd love to hear though about some examples because you know agile working and collaborative space has been around for a while and i know that you've worked with some larger brands and you know organizations of all shapes and sizes are there some like really good examples of strong workplace design that you could sort of share with us so I think, yeah, I mean, our, our observations um, are that sort of, you know, um, it, like you just said, it has been around for a while, particularly in the Netherlands, Sweden, Denmark, and Australia. Um, and people for the last 10 years plus have been actively undertaking hybrid working, agile working, you know, activity working, and any other range of models. I guess one of the examples that springs to mind is a is an Australian health insurer that we worked with uh, called Medibank, um, and they're basically in the business of promoting better health for everyone. So um, we designed their office in 2011, we completed it in 2014. And even before we moved them into their new office, over 40% of their workforce was remote working um, with the balance working in a very flexible way. You know, So choosing the hours they wanna work, the days they wanna work, et cetera. So their new workplace really um, had to build on that as the basis of their culture and their values. Um, enable people to have choice, enable people to, in their workplace, um, feel like they're, they're working in a healthy environment. Um, and I guess what we developed for them was something that we called a hybrid or agile working um, model, which was around health-based working. So it was really giving them the freedom to choose how and where they wanted to work. And I think within four months of moving into their new place, you know, 79% of their employees, were working more collaboratively, 70%, 70 or something around there said they were feeling more healthier working within their new work environment. So I think that for me was one that stands out. I think the other one in the UK would be Sky Central where prior to the um, pandemic, they were actually working in a, in a flexible model even though in, they probably didn't know it, but in particular, you know, um, the workplace is one of the UK's largest agile workplaces. People have choice in the building and they have choice in a campus of where they want to work and how they want to work. But that choice went beyond that in, in, in very subtle ways where being outside of the, um, the centre of London, um, people would often choose to work from home on a Monday or a Friday. So you would go out there in this building that would house 2,000 plus people could be virtually empty because people had already taken up this idea of flexible working and it was just supported within the workplace by, by chance, if you like. Um, I'm sure there were policies and procedures around it, but the, the actual workplace allowed them to do that. And then I think beyond that, we're currently working with a law firm in the UK that in you know um, two years, 18 months time, will have delivered something very different for a law firm, law firm in the UK, which is taking the, <laughs> the learnings from learnings from this last 15 months and really they thought about how they want to work moving forward 
um, and what that means for the legal firm of the future, if you like. I guess when you, you know, going back to the survey, when you spoke about or when you said that basically gardens and green spaces, you know, are you seeing clients who are looking at new spaces considering that or is that just something that's come out of the survey? Because that sort of struck me as something, yeah, you know, that resonates with me. We have had more time outside. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, lunch times, etc. Um, no, absolutely. I mean, we've, uh, for during this last 15 months, been working with a private equity firm and a law firm that I just mentioned, as well as another financial provider as they moved their office, um, that made the decision pre-pandemic and, um, and were in a mindset around the type of model they were going to, to occupy and use within their office space. And they also had started to look at the types of buildings they wanted to occupy. And I think that really, their thought process shifted in that, you know, access to green space, balconies, however you could, you know, they still needed to be in the centre of London, but but how could they have those spaces on their doorstep for their employees, um, be it a rooftop terrace or access to a plaza area directly adjacent, which had gardens, et cetera, for people to, to go out and inhabit and use. Um, and they're very much, I think it's becoming a very strong driver for people in their choice of of, of building a workplace that they want to occupy. And they're not just seeing them as recreational spaces, they're seeing them as spaces that people can physically work in and occupy. Are you seeing real, the real estate market sort of responding to that? Yeah, we were recently uh, we were recently helping a, a client in the centre of London who has a, a quite iconic iconic tower, looking at how they might refurbish some of the rooftops in that building um, as they leased it potentially leased it to other tenants. So they are responding. They're realising that that is an attractor to people taking space in your building. So I think developers and landlords and so forth are really understanding that there's you know people people see the workplace as being more than just the constraints of four walls. Just on that last point, I think I'd add another element to it, which is the mental health aspects, right? So, um, you know, it does amuse me sometimes. We've, we've learned so much in recent history about how we how our brains work and how we when we when we do and when we do and don't innovate and and the conditions that you create for that and it feels to me like we haven't um for the most part i'm i'm sure like designers like matt are, are kind of leading the charge on this and, and and there's some places some office spaces that we'd all probably be quite jealous of but for the most part we haven't really moved with this with this so we've learned an awful lot about how human beings think react how they're and we talk a lot about how we can be more innovative and yeah i don't think for the most part we're we're really doing a good enough job of setting in place the the places to do that i did some i had some involvement with um a great ormond street hospital um a little while ago a couple of years ago and you know they had a, a garden there and just um you know just in a little oasis in the middle of london and just the you know the sort of benefits of being able to take people into that garden and just you know essentially not just um, people that were being treated, but also their sort of families as well, just having that quiet space. Um, so I think that the the value of that, whether that's just, you know, I don't know, like, you know, whether you've had a, a difficult meeting or something like that, and just having that sort of place to sort of like, you know, recover what we've learned about introverts and extroverts and giving people with different personalities that, that the sort of right space for to sort of suit them. Um, I just, like I said, there's so much to unpack about that, but, I think my underlying point is we've learned a huge amount about how people how people think and how and mental health and we've got to catch up with our not just actually our office space the the places that people work and make sure we think about this as end to end I mean how do we sort of help 
you know our people sort of optimize those environments so that they can they can feel good about what they're doing and do the best work sure. it's an exciting time to be a designer i think we would we got the wrong did we make the wrong <laughs> sort of career choice here Laura? i'm not sure if you've got the budget eh yeah indeed <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's there there is a lot um, that employers could definitely take on, and I suppose the final sort of thing I'd put to you both is, you know, that strong workplace design, all those things that we'd love to have in our workplaces. You know, are those the perks that will fundamentally attract new talent, retain staff? You know, is it that bigger, bigger game changer for you, Jeff, and then for you, Matt? I think one of the things that I've learned over the last now, I forget how long this is, 18 months, 18 years, sometimes it feels plus. like it's just a long time, <laughs> is that plus, things yeah. that you thought were going to happen haven't happened and things you, you thought would never happen have happened. And so I think um, in some ways, you know, that that's a, if you look at that in the right way, you go, okay, well, sort of, you've got to, ex you know, Matt said earlier, we we're in a living experiment. Maybe we always were, it just wasn't so <clears> pronounced <throat> as this one, right? And so I think to sort of recognize that there is always things that you don't know, um, things that I'm grappling with is that we have, by working for office workers, that, and let's remember there are people that have been working through this and, and you know, didn't have the choice to work from home, but for office workers who have predominantly been working from home for since sort of around March of last year, one of the things that has is they are in the most personalized environment they could ever have, which is their mm -hmm. home. Right. It's absolutely personalized, you know, right down to, you know, what they eat, drink, when they when they can do these things. It's all all done there. And an office by its very nature is a compromise. Um, it's trying to serve, you know, different people, often a large number of people, um, with different different needs, and those needs change, you know, hour by hour. So trying to kind of get that compromise right is really tricky. I certainly think one of the mantras that I've got is that this is flexibility is about we, not about me. And so we've got to think about how how am I going to fit with the needs of others around me? I think that's something that you've got to design in from the the outset. And I think that's going to make it quite challenging. So we all come in with sort of pre, you know, we all come in with our own perspectives and our own preferences, right? And trying to go, well, actually, I'm going to have to maybe put those to one side and try to understand what others want. And I think it's this is where people like Matt can really help because they can say, you know, people have those biases and they can say, whether it's through the surveys or the design process, well, you have to think about all of the things he's touched on, the culture, the different personalities, the work you're trying to get done, how, what your aims are for your business and how you're going to achieve that and then figure out what compromise you make. So it's uh, at one level that's immensely complicated. Um, at another level, I think it presents a lot of opportunity to do things better than we've done them to date. Final words to you, Matt. Would you agree with that? Do you think this is all a game changer? Yeah, look, I mean, I would agree with that. I think we're at um, a point where we've never seen more potential for transformation in the workplace than ever before. I think, you know, and of course I'd say, of course, you'd probably say I'd say that because I'd be out of a job otherwise. But um, <laughs> but um, I think it's I think it's clear that people, you know, yes, we can work from home, but if you want to change a business and the way it performs and the way people engage in the culture of a business, you can't change someone's home. You can you can change a workplace to help focus that the direction of a business. And I think that what we've learned from the last 
you know, 15 months or more is that the workplace is no longer somewhere that you have to be, but it's somewhere where we as humans or individuals want to be, you know, we want to engage with each other. So I think if we can, if we can understand the strategies behind why a workplace exists or what drives an organization and we get that strategic intelligence and we put it with great design, we can create places that people just want to go to and love being in. Um, and that for me is the biggest challenge at the moment moving forward. So that's all we've got time for today. Thanks, Matt and Jeff, for your insights and for bringing some of these topics to life for us today. Um, until next time, take care. Goodbye.